This is a podcast about new crops. You're going to love it. Join us on The Cutting Edge, a podcast in search of new crops for Wisconsin. Welcome to The Cutting Edge, a podcast in search of new crops for Wisconsin. Today is a field notes episode, and the focus is on mechanical harvesting of hazelnuts. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome, this is Jason Fishbach. I'm the agriculture agent, Ashland and Bayfield Counties with UW Extension. And today we're in Southern Wisconsin on Paul Ronsheim's farm, evaluating two candidate hazelnut harvesting units. One's an olive harvester, one is a blueberry harvester. In most hazelnut production regions, hazelnuts are either swept or vacuumed up off the orchard floor. And we're gonna try something different here in the Midwest. The nuts don't readily fall out of the clusters. Plus with all the rain we get in the fall, uh, and the desire to have more vegetation on the orchard floor, we would prefer to harvest these directly from the shrub, which is what we're going to try to do with these straddle harvesters. Let's see if we can find our host, Paul, and uh, see what he's thinking about all these harvesting options. Paul, what's the farm name? Uh, Blue Mound Hazelnuts. And where are we in Wisconsin? We're six miles south of Barneveld, uh, near Dodgeville. Gotcha. So I'm looking out across the planting here. About how many acres? How many plants? About 2,000 plants, six acres. Gotcha. Have you ever hand harvested these things, the whole thing? Uh, yes. It took uh, several weeks. Gotcha. I bet you're glad to see these two big harvesting units sitting in your front driveway here. You bet. This is a thrill. <laughs> yeah. So we've got two harvesting units that we're going to trial today. One we call Big Blue, which is actually a modified olive harvester. And the other one we call Mr. Rotary, which is a... Uh, totally, we haven't done anything, changed it. It is a blueberry harvester that uses uh, rotors to, or vibrating rotors to harvest the berries. So we'll see if it works on the hazelnuts. We're just waiting for them to uh, get everything set up. So, Paul, what are you looking for today when you see these harvesters go through your, your plants? I look for them to remove at least 40%, maybe 50% of the ripe nuts. Uh, it's really my target right now, what I hope to see. These plant, This planting is from seeds, so the ripening is over a, a three-week interval. So it makes it difficult to get everything in one pass. And last year we came out here, and I'd say we probably harvested too early. This year it seems like we might even be on the side of too late, or do you think we're on, on target here? I think you're on a sweet spot. Uh, things are really ripe. There's only a few that are still hanging on. And yet, uh, not a lot has dropped. So I think it's a good time for a machine to come through. Gotcha. As they've ripened, have you seen blue jays and squirrels and everybody else stealing nuts? Or are you uh, out in the middle of a field enough that you've got some protection? Uh, blue jays are the main problem right now. That and raccoons, I think. So we're going to go wander over and fi find Dave Bonhoff and Scott Sanford, the brains and brawn behind today's trials. Uh, but first, we have some uh, observers today. Let's find out who they are. Um, Michelle, who are you and why are you here? I'm Michelle Mansky. I work for the Savannah Institute as the event coordinator, and I'm here to take pictures for our social media and just to support the other staff. Have you ever seen hazelnut mechanical harvesting before? I haven't. I'm super excited. I've been waiting for this for weeks, months maybe. Yeah, we've been waiting for years. We're excited for this big blue because it's uh, it's huge and it's novel and it should be fast. So 
Uh, Chuck, who are you and why are you here? I'm Chuck Zenda. I'm a landowner maybe 11 miles north of here, and I have uh, some hazelnuts, hazelnut crops, but they aren't, don't look as good as this. <laughs> I noticed you were out uh, hand harvesting today. Um, is that something you want to do long term, you think, or are you looking at one of these harvesters? Well, I think a mechanical harvester would be the way to go. Uh, we tried uh, hand harvesting last year and only did about half. Okay, I'm uh, wandering over here to where the action is, where the big uh, harvesters are, and uh, you can see boxes of oily rags and some banging going on there and some hydraulic fluid containers, low boy trailer. So first, uh, let's, uh, let's talk to Dave here. Dave Bonoff, who are you and why are you here? Dave Bonoff, I'm an emeritus professor at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and I'm here to uh, run some experiments with some mechanical harvesters, uh, experiments on removing green clusters from hazelnut bushes. So the listeners can't see this behemoth, but I noticed the guy that drove by with the huge combine kind of looked at this machine with some jealousy because this thing was so awesome. Uh, what are we looking at? Uh, you're looking at a Oxbow olive harvester. And uh, if you want to check one out online, Google Oxbow 6340, and you'll get a good appreciation for what this machine is. This is the first uh, one in that series, uh, the prototype. And uh, it's pretty much like the one that is commercially available. We did add a small bin to it for collecting our samples during our test runs today. Other than that, it's just a different color than what you'd see online. You have dimensions, height, width, weight on this oh, thing? Yeah, I think it's 12 foot wide, and boy, I'm going to guess it's 20 foot long. Height-wise, um, it's probably about 16 feet high, I would say, as it sits there, which means that we have to do special things to move it over the highway. Um, and this transition that we're going through right now takes us about an hour, and that is to get it from that transport mode into harvest mode. And that involves actually moving the cab up about three feet, uh, it, it moves up on some rails, rails that we have to remove uh, to do our harvest work. So, yeah. I noticed some sweating and swearing over here. Is it going okay? Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not swearing. Uh, I, Scott was maybe a little bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all in all, it's yeah. looking pretty good, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, we'll be ready to go shortly. How about so, that bucket of bolts across the way? What's that thing? Yeah, that's a, a, a BEI, which uh, stands for Blueberry Equipment Incorporated, I believe, uh, a company that's now defunct that was in Michigan, and they built uh, an array of blueberry harvesters through the years. This one is uh, <laughs> several models <laughs> removed from their demise, actually, and uh, it does work quite well for harvesting hazels, and we have three of them in operation just in Wisconsin and Minnesota. So this one's a little different because it's a rotary shaker yes, versus this is a, a sway bar thing. Right, right, right. It has uh, rotating wheels, if, uh, I guess rotating wheels with the rims removed if you want to think about it spokes if you can picture that a rotating bicycle wheel without the rims anyhow those spokes move into the uh, uh, into the crop and they also vibrate back and forth as they rotate and as those wheels spin and that's what vibrates the crop and hopefully removes the clusters from the, from the so when, when we get out there today what are you hoping to see on the harvesting um, well I don't think we'll see too much more than we've seen in the past, and that is actually fairly uh, efficient removal of clusters. Uh, the drier they are, the easier they are to remove. 
Um, we can adjust different machines to be more aggressive and remove uh, basically every cluster that's on that plant. But when we do that, we also end up removing other things we don't want to remove, like uh, catkins, uh, perhaps uh, a few more leaves. Not that that's an issue this time of year. And how many gallons of hydraulic fluid do you usually like to spray on yes, out there? Yes, yes, yes. We have <laughs> went to gallons. Um, actually, um, earlier in the week, we had a hose break on Big Blue here, the other harvester, and that went through five gallons in uh, about the snap of your fingers. And that right there is about 120 bucks for people that are into purchasing hydraulic fluid. So, yeah, it gets costly. It's part of the, the game. That usually doesn't happen, but that's yeah. part of mechanical harvesting and big equipment is yeah. big repairs and expensive stuff. I'm uh, Scott Sanford. I'm with the University of Wisconsin. I'm an outreach specialist working in energy and, and uh, alternative crops. Awesome. So the uh, Big Blue is kind of your baby, huh? You've got this thing tuned up and going. Are you excited to run it? <laughs> yeah, and we're hoping not to get another oil bath. <laughs> but yes, it's been a lot of work. It was a, a machine that uh, had been, been neglected, and, and we've uh, brought it back to life. Yeah, this is awesome. So you ran it at Stoughton what did, uh, already. What did you think? Are you pleased with it? Yeah, it seems to do a good job. Um, you know, it, it was our first trial, so it's hard to tell um, percentage of nuts it's going to take off versus moisture content. Yep. Um, but uh, it did a fair, fairly good job, um, especially at uh, slow speeds and high uh, um, thrashing rate. Okay. Much damage to the stems? Only if the uh, crop itself or the, the base is too wide. Got it. If the base is over two foot wide or, or thereabouts, you end up running over some of it. Okay, so more damage just because the plant was too wide and you ran it over than actually shaking the stems and breaking stems? Yeah, it didn't seem to be a lot of breakage in the stems. Uh, we got a lot of old wood off in some cases, yep. um, but uh, no, it didn't, didn't seem to affect the stems. We shook a lot of leaves off. This and catkins too right yeah all right we're standing right next to big blue and this yeah. thing is huge so in the tunnel so this thing is a straddle harvester goes right over the top of the hazelnut row and it's probably oh david how tall are you six feet and we got another four feet on top of that yeah nine to ten feet tall this tunnel so we can handle plants at least that tall uh, and then we can raise the whole unit up another two or three feet so we could probably accommodate 12 foot plants without a problem Probably even taller. All right, we got Big Blue fired up. So the basic function of this thing is it straddles the row and there are beaters inside, bars that shake back and forth. So they jostle the plant as it goes through it. And the idea is to generate enough force to shake the clusters right off the plant, but not too much force that you break, break the stems. Now the advantage of these hybrid hazelnuts because they're shrubs and those stems are really flexible. So you get pretty good you can apply a lot of force without causing a lot of damage. So the nuts fly off and they get on these catch plates at the bottom of the unit and they, that's uh, on an angle and that they slide to either side of the unit and then get moved with these bucket conveyors up into the, across a fan to get rid of the leaves and stuff. And then they go through into a collection bin. So that's the basic idea, pretty, pretty straightforward. Well, this is exciting. I'm sitting in the jump seat of the cab we're making our first run down the row here. Scott Sanford's the operator. I'm just along for the ride. See how this thing goes. I'm about 
Oh, 15 feet up in the air here on the top of this thing. And hear the unit firing up. It's a nice bird's eye view. I can see over the whole planting. Now the tricky part is driving is he can't really see how wide these things are. So he's trying not to run stuff over. Well, we're rolling along here. Nuts are flying off, which is good. And uh, the only thing I hope is we don't hit a hornet's nest. We're all in trouble. All right, on this next row, we're going at two miles an hour, which is pretty fast. I'm walking pretty fast to uh, keep up with this harvesting unit. Again, because time is money when it comes to this expensive equipment, you got to be able to go as fast as you can, and that's part of our research project is just how fast can we push. Dave, what happened out there? Uh, the machine self-leveling uh, ran the uh, whole platform down into the ground, and uh, basically the machine started acting like a plow. Ah. So I didn't want to move forward anymore. No harm, so we, no foul, though. No, no, we took it off of self-leveling and manually leveling it off. So, Paul, you've seen this in action one row. Seems like it's exceeding your 40% removal. Are you, are you pleased so far? Yes, it seems to be uh, really taking the nuts. They're quite ripe, so it's the perfect time to test this, and they seem to be coming off really well. So, you okay with the uh, amount of plant damage? Doesn't seem like too much. It seems comparable to the BEI, or even better. Gotcha. David, what do you think about all this? It's amazing how fast it works to harvest that, all that, and how many nuts come in off of a hundred-foot row. Yeah, right on. And it looks like these bins are actually pretty clean. Not too much leaf or stick material, which is good. So it should make them easier to uh, dry down and clean. Okay, we'll let those guys do their business here uh, running the machines. We've got a couple other bystanders here. Let's see what they think about all this stuff. So, uh, Eric, who are you and uh, why are you here? Um... I'm Eric Hagen. I'm with the Savannah Institute, uh, the farm director, um, and I'm here to check out the hazelnut harvest. What do you mean farm director? Well, uh, Savannah Institute's buying a home farm um, and where we'll be producing at scale a number of different agroforestry systems and crops, tree crops, and I'll be the farm manager for that site. That's awesome. So uh, is this your first time seeing hazelnut harvesting in action? It actually is for, for machine harvesting, yeah. What do you think? Pretty awesome. Let's do it. That's what I like to hear. Yeah, so far so good. We're using the BEI now to clean up the first row uh, as part of our experimental design. And we're not getting anything off because the bee or the oxbow removed pretty much all of it already. And uh, yeah. Hey Scott, what's, uh, what's your name? Why are you here? What do you, what do, you do? My name's Scott Brainerd. I am a, a tree crop analyst with Savannah Institute. And I am here at Paul Ronsheim's to witness this uh, incredible mechanized harvesting operation. The price of admission today is that you have to have hand harvested hazelnuts at some point in your life. Have you done that? Maybe today even? <laughs> yeah, just came from hand picking a whole bunch of American hazelnuts about 20 minutes north of here, and so this is great. You just sit back and watch these enormous machines do the work. Awesome. So far, so good. The, both machines have got their pros and cons. I like the action on this BEI with those rotary harvesters. 
but the discharge on it is kind of slow. Um, it just doesn't have the same capacity to handle the, the volume as the, the Oxbow, but um, for the price, it seems like a pretty effective machine. So Dave, we're a few rows in, any thoughts? Yeah, Jason's not doing his job. I think we gotta can him, send him back to Ashland. What do you mean, I'm holding a clipboard? <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I, I forgot you're in charge. That's good. We do need somebody to add us up there. We're kind of lost. Um, no, I, it looks like uh, both machines are performing. Um, we'll see how well this BI does when we send it down the row before we harvest with the Corvan machine, the Big Blue machine. Uh, right now, it looks like the uh, Big Blue machine is, is cleaning its stuff pretty clean, uh, picking it pretty clean, and we're not getting a lot of stuff on the second pass of the BEI machine, but uh, we're just getting started, so. Yeah. All right. Definitely one downside of these BEI harvesters is you've got the rear discharge on both sides, and you're feeding out of the chutes into bins. Uh, in your bins, typically, there's not a lot of room for capacity there, so you're offloading quite often versus the big oxbow unit. You've got a continuous feed conveyor that can feed into a a, a trailer towing behind or off to the side so you can really fly without a whole lot of messing around between uh, between bins. Okay, it's been a good day and uh, things went well. So we'll give these guys a chance to recover in uh, about a week or so. We'll come back and get Dave and Scott's impressions on how things went this year. Scott and Dave, it was a whirlwind of <laughs> days and nights for you guys to get these machines up and running and run these trials. Uh, it's been almost a week now. How are you feeling? Good. We got it done. We didn't have too many, spilled too many oil, much oil and we're uh, got uh, nuts in the shed. So what I thought here, now that we've done some harvesting for two years is just kind of get your initial thoughts or reflections on each of these different harvesting units. Uh, so maybe we can start with the, um, the Aronia harvester with the name I can't pronounce. So what was that thing we used a couple of years ago? So my um, sense was it's just undersized for hazelnuts. Is that generally the issue with that one? Well, I think there, I think there are two issues. One, it's a half row unit. So you're splitting the row in half. Um, you're bending the plants over quite a bit. And these, the, your stems in Stoughton anyway are, are pretty good size in some cases. And um, we were, it's very aggressive. It cleaned all the nuts off. So that's a plus for it. Um, we also took lots of catkins and leaves off. Um, we didn't have time to really play with it a lot because we just had it for one day. Um, and we lost a lot of nuts out the front. A lot of the nuts fell before they even got in the machine. And so you had to go down each row twice. Uh, plus so if you, plus if you it's slow to start with, yeah? You yeah, gotta it's go slow and it's, Yeah. Yep. So it seems like with all the different units we've tried that that one's just not gonna rise to the top, right? I mean, it's a pull, pull behind unit, which is nice because it's maybe cheaper than a self-propelled, but um, it's still, it just seems too slow and too under. Too aggressive. Yeah, and that, that machine was about $50,000 new. You can't buy really any used ones. And you can buy probably a good used blueberry picker for that kind of money. Right. It's self-propelled. Okay. And, yeah, uh, and, and it'll do the whole row at one one time. It's over, over the row, full row. 
its configuration really doesn't lend itself to larger shrubs. It's just a matter in which it has to bend them over um, in a orientation of the head relative to that crop when it's bent. Uh, just doesn't allow for bigger stuff. But one advantage of the pole type units in uh, any pole type unit in the future, and even a uh, self-propelled machine is, uh, would be having the operator, the driver down closer to ground level where you can see the base of the bush being fed into the machine. Mm -hmm. So as, as we look at harvesters in general uh, down the road and perhaps design with a special harvester, I think that's an essential part of a hazelnut harvester is that the operator is right down at ground level. Especially with shrubs where you just can't see like the base of a trunk like you would on right. a tree. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're lost and Scott can speak to that. So yes, when bushes are way too big, um, they're not going to har harvest very well in any kind of harvester. Um, right. A typical, what we're classifying is what we're looking for, something no bigger than eight foot tall and six foot around you can pretty much see where the base is from either machine. Um, you're kind of going by the canopy and assuming that the canopy is, is um, uniform both ways. Um, mm -hmm. I think the bigger problem is some of our shrubs have uh, bases that are 16, 18, sometimes two feet in diameter. Well, we had, them up, to, we had them up to four feet at Stoughton. Right. We were laying down a foot on each side on some um, of those shrubs. Yeah, so if the shrub gets too wide, our our throat of the machine is is um, eighteen to twenty four inches, I think, something like that. Yeah. Um, so both BEIs and the um, the oxbow, it's basically the the width of that plant at the base really can't be more than eighteen inches. It seems like yeah, even narrower, six, probably better. Yeah, you'd be. You're better because then you got the driver has some leeway as to which way they go. Um, uh, also, understand we never ran the Oxbow unit or the Corvan unit, Big Blue. We never ran it near to its full height. And that's because we needed to keep it down to the ground to be able to gather the crop in. Now, if there was a single stem, we could move that harvester up a couple feet, which would move our, our picking head up a couple feet, and therefore we'd be able to harvest higher or taller crops. Well, let's go through each of these other three units. So the um, the slapper type BEIs, there's a couple of them being used in the Midwest right now. And you guys had the opportunity to use one down in Southwest Wisconsin. What do you think? I mean, those seem like the most available and cheapest units out there. Are they good enough or what's your, what's your take? I'm a little, in, well, I think they're not as aggressive. Um, they will probably do fine with ripe crop if it's, if it's um, you know rated, if you're, it's the kind of crop you're going to touch and it's going to fall to the ground, the challenge I think is for some of these big shrubs. Uh, once you get them in the machine, the fingers don't have enough strength to actually move the bush much. And I was seeing lots of drop before the before the bush ever got in the machine because it, it bends the top of the machine down or the top of the bush down, and it starts shaking before it ever gets into the machine. So we we're losing nuts on the ground um, right in front of the machine uh, before it was gotcha. coming in. And, th and that's going to be true with uh, almost any of the harvesters. The, 
the BEI rotary is probably better because the rotary is toward the back and um, not probably not as aggressive until it gets right to the the fingers. But that's one thing I I did notice, and we broke fingers off, even a brand new finger, um, on that slapper unit just because the bushes are so big. The arm has a set range of motion, and the the nylon finger is the only thing that that can move, and it's basically bent and snapped off a brand new finger. I think we lost five fingers in one evening. I would tell you that um, all the harvesters uh, did fairly well, in my opinion, in terms of their ability to uh, take off clusters. Um, I think some of the numbers are going to show that, but that doesn't mean that there can't be improvements to all these picking heads. As a matter of fact, I think you can be a lot more aggressive. Most of these harvesters are designed to handle berries that can't take a lot of abuse. Um, so even the catch systems, the uh, the shaking systems are all designed to be a little, you know, uh, more tender with the crop, let's put it that way. And I, I think we can be a little bit more forceful. Now, there's other ways to make picking heads that I think you'll probably see in a, a harvester that was designed specifically for this crop. Um, but that that's what we're learning. I think that's a big thing, a big takeaway of all this is we watch these different heads work. We know what their shortcomings are. We know what the crop demands. We'll be able to design, you know, for that um, need. So what's your take on the, um, the rotary unit having run that for two years? To me, watching the plants come out the back end on that thing, it seems like a better action where it's, it's getting this, it's delivering the force to knock those clusters off, but it's not swaying the branches around as much as the slapper type is. So maybe less damage, but I don't know. What, what's your take? Yeah, plant damage, I don't know that there's much. The, the plant damage I saw for the most part was where I ran it over because it was too big or I wasn't lined up centered on the row. Uh, it's not to say that there wasn't some damage it just says not real extensive with, you know, broken branches and stuff. Biggest challenge, I think, with both the B, both BEI units is they can't handle the amount of twigs and leaves that we get off. They're just the cleaning end of it. You can do about a half mile an hour, three quarters of a mile an hour. And if you get above that, the cleaning system on the backside can't keep up with the, the unit. I know the one test we were going over two miles an hour with a BEI, and the guys in the back were just going, they couldn't keep up. They had nuts, right. going, nuts and branches going all over the place. Dave can attest to that because he was in the back. Yeah, I would just point out that you can definitely move with uh, all machines. You can move down the road at a pretty good speed. Uh, that's not a problem. Uh, uh, we can knock the nuts off, but it's just in the BEI machines, the buckets, well, it doesn't have buckets. It really has a conveyor that's doesn't have very um high uh paddles if you want to call them that and it's too steep i think some of the elevators so you got material that's rolling back down um there's a, a number of shortcomings but again that's not something that we'd ever worry about uh or even need to deal with in a machine that we would design down the road and one thing we do also he mentioned sticks and i don't think a lot of people realize this because they're hand harvesting but when you use a harvester like this you're knocking off a lot of very short twigs. The older your bushes get, the more of that you get. And one of the problems we'll have down the road is actually separating that out. So the question is, how well does your crop husk when you got those sticks in there? Do you need to move some of them out before you husk? 
Uh, those are questions that are s still left unanswered that we'll, we'll find a little bit more about in the next couple of weeks as we start working with uh, stuff we collected. All right, so the Oxbow unit, uh, running it there at um, uh, Paul Ronsheim's, it sure was a crowd pleaser. Seemed like everybody was pretty impressed by it. And Scott, it seemed to me you like driving that thing. Um, well, it's got a nice cab on it. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, what What did you think? That was your kind of the maiden voyage this year at that thing after spending months and months getting up and running. Yeah, I mean, it has, you know, the cleaning, the back end of it cleans. I, I we, we couldn't plug it. It doesn't take sticks out, but it cleans the leaves out. Uh, it only requires one person to run versus the other requires three people to run it. I, I say one person to run the harvester. You're going to need another person possibly um, to help with unloading the crop at the end of the rows. And it's got capacity. I mean, we were going two and a half miles an hour for tests. And, you know, if you got the right rows and uh, comfort with a driver, you probably could do three miles an hour. Um, we're knocking, we're knocking stuff off. We were harvesting at 33% of its uh, full capacity setting. On the shake, the, the beaters? The shaker, or, wow. On, yeah. on the header. And we tried to go to 45 and it was basically too much. Basically we were taking all the catkins off and um, we tried it as both a sway and a slapper unit. Um, it seemed to work equally well. And you didn't break any of those those bows in there, right? Because no, we didn't break any bow rods. Yeah. And and with the um, the rotary BI, we didn't break any rods that I know of this year either. Um, so, like Dave said, if you did jack that thing up, I mean, put the hydraulics up, you could be 10, 12 feet off the ground and handle material that maybe ten. Yeah, feet but the problem is you got to realize as you get up more, the branches spread out more, and so you. Your biggest loss on those machine, any of the machines is down around the, the base of the crop. So we're on relatively flat ground. How much slope do you think these units can handle? How much comfort would you have, Scott, tipping that BEI on? The you BEI just is imagine. rated at 20%. I wouldn't want to get it on 20%. You, you can level it. Uh, we had tried automatic leveling, but it put us into the dirt. If you had sloping ground, you could, you could try to you know, level it up and, and keep it level with the, it would help with the, the center balance a little bit, but I don't think it matters that much with the harvest operation. If you got on a real slope, it might with the, the conveyor, if, if things were tumbling backwards, because you're so, at such an angle, but. Yeah, I, I don't want to mislead anybody. We, we weren't on flat ground. In, at Paul's place, that is what you call sloping ground. And at one end of the field, you're not going to have slopes, even in southwestern Wisconsin, are too much greater than that. Uh, they're just, <laughs> they're long, but they're about at that angle. Yeah. Well, and we were going up and down them. Yeah. And we, some places you might be going across them, and that's more the issue. Well, it's a good point in terms of arranging these plantings. It probably makes more sense from a water management. You'd like to go with the contour, um, you know, parallel to it, but maybe yep. harvesting, you'd rather go yep. perpendicular to the contour, huh? Yep. And I think, um, you know, in some places where they grow coffee with sloping ground, I think they're going up and down the slopes so they can mechanically harvest versus across across the slopes, just for yeah. that reason. How about that oxbow unit? How much could you, on a side slope, would you be comfortable with on that? What's that rated at? Oh, well, oh, so the oxbow is the one that's rated for 20%. Okay. The, the BI, 
I don't know what you'd do on that because um, those are a little top heavy because the engine sits on top. I don't know what do you think, Dave. Yeah, well, we shot a video and I have that video somewhere of the Oxbow when you were driving it at West Madison and you had one set of wheels, the right set of wheels were on the pavement or on the yep. roadway and then you had the left one down in that field and I would have to say that there was a difference there of probably a foot to two feet if you look at the video and he, you were able to level that machine with no problem and yep. if that represented a slope you were probably at a 20% slope right there. Not, I don't think it's a problem at all for that machine. So the BI is a little different because you can you can level or you can change the front two wheels the height but the back go together so you i don't know that you can necessarily run across the slope quite as well because of the way it levels it doesn't have really a true independent suspension like you would yeah. say you had with the oxbow well uh just a couple more questions so What's your sense after two years? Can we mechanically harvest shrub type hazelnut? What do you think? Can we do this? I think we can. You're, it's not going to take all the nuts off typical or possibly because they ripen at different times. Farmers should or growers should save quite a bit of time with harvesting. I mean, just ask Paul. He was more than happy to have us come out and harvest his crop. Mm -hmm. I mean, we got done in a day what probably would have taken him weeks. Right. Yeah, it's essential uh, to have a machine like this if you have any acreage. And absolutely, um, these machines work very well. Um, we'll give you numbers as we tabulate them, uh, numbers of what Paul picked off the plants after we completed our harvest versus what we actually took off during harvest. And you're going to see that he didn't take off much. Uh, we pretty much cleaned his plants. And that was in a single pass. Um, and I think he would tell you that he didn't lose uh, much crop prior to us showing up there. I don't know how many pl of his plants were uh, ripe and had started dropping clusters prior to our harvest. I don't think it was many, if any. Right, not much on the ground. And not a lot of squirrel chewed up piles either under the plants. So he's got no, a pretty protected it spot. Was, it was really clean. Um, I was surprised that we didn't see a lot more stuff. And I, I was surprised overall, at, even at Stoughton, that there wasn't as much on the ground as I thought um, stuff that we would have knocked off and left on the ground. As Scott said, there is some stuff between rows and it's really related, I think, to the width of the base of the shrub. And still, I think the oxbow did a pretty good job of, of working around those plants. We did damage. Uh, we broke a few welds on our collection plates on the oxbow. It's the only issue we had, but man, we were running through some really wide stuff. Yeah. So, so um, last question, what, what's next with the harvesting project? What do you guys want to do? Well, I'm going to focus now on green cluster husking. Um, we know we can knock um, the nuts off. I think I'll maybe someday experiment with the different types of picking heads, something that is uh, a little bit more robust, uh, less expensive, a lot lighter. I think what we need, my, my approach would be to make a fairly light machine that um, uh, doesn't weigh as much as some of these, this, these machines we have been operating. And, and one of the things is, is how we collect the nuts. We don't need these bucket elevators. Uh, we don't have to handle this 
material with kid gloves. We can use vacuum. We can use augers. That's all another thing. We can drop the stuff in augers. You can auger it directly into a husker. There could be a husker on each side on the bottom. So the first thing that happens is it comes in and it goes right through a husker. It'd be just like a regular combine where you harvest it. And the first thing it does is it goes through a threshing machine and breaks everything up. And that includes your twigs. It takes your nuts out of your clusters. And then we move it into a winnowing operation right after that. And uh, we have our whole nuts. I mean, that's going to be the approach. I think, therefore, I'm not as concerned right now about how these machines handle the crop after it knocks them off because we're not going to use that method of, of conveyance in a, in a real harvester for hazelnuts, at least in my opinion. And like I said, you're looking at probably a harvester that would, where the operator would be close to the ground. Um, you know, I've got, I, I work through details of it in my mind <laughs> when I'm doing odd jobs that don't require a lot of thought, like driving a tractor in circles around the field. Uh, <laughs> But uh, the thing is, is that the big part of it now is, is a very robust threshing mechanism or what we call a husker. And I think our, our next step is to run that John Bashaw built under the Pendragon uh, name and uh, observe it, look at how it works, maybe make some adjustments to it. And then I'd like to start working with people that really understand threshing mechanisms and that may be some retired combine engineers and uh, see what they recommend, bring in a threshing mechanism from maybe some newer combines, uh, set them up so that we can adjust a lot of different things on them and see how they operate, and then try to size something that uh, will work for a single row, hedgerow, um, hazelnut planting. So, I mean, that's, that's what I see our next logical step. Because I think we know once we've got it husk how to separate the stuff out fairly well, just like any combine does, using air, using shakers, screens, same stuff that we do right now uh, in our garages with hazelnuts. So. Well, any last words? Otherwise, we're all in uh, recovery mode, trying to catch up on projects we had to put aside here with uh, <laughs> yep. hazelnut harvest season. So it's good to have that part done for now. Yes, yes. All right. Well, we thanks, go. guys, for your time, and, yep. and uh, onward. So concludes the 2020 Hazelnut Harvest Season podcast. If uh, you're looking to see these machines in action, you can go to MidwestHazelnuts.org, where we've posted a video uh, with clips of each of these machines in operation. Also, the formal results from our research trials this fall will be available through a webinar and you can register for that webinar also at midwesthazelnuts.org. Brought to you by the University of Wisconsin-Madison Division of Extension.